I know you have some lofty goals today. I hope <laughs> I will uh, attempt to inspire and share with you a little bit about my story. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining again. And actually, let's go ahead and get started with that. If you can tell us about yourself, where you're from, maybe a little bit of your personal history, that would help us uh, know the Sally that we all know. <laughs> awesome, awesome, I would love to share. So right now I'm coming to you from upstate New York in an area known as the Finger Lakes. Um, I grew up here as a child. I um, had four brothers and a sister and um, we grew up in a small town. It's about, everybody hears I'm from New York and they wonder where the accent is. Uh, it's more of a Midwestern accent than a, than a city accent because this region of New York is about a five hour drive from, uh, from New York City. So much like California, some large territory to, uh, to uh, extend New York State. Um, and I am married with three kids. Uh, my my oldest just graduated from college, so that's a milestone. Oh, congratulations! Really excited about that. Uh, my second son is finishing up his first year in college, and then I still have um, my youngest daughter at home with me, who's a 14-year-old in eighth grade. So wow. busy family life, um, and. Um, I am uh, very familiar with California as right after college, I moved to Southern California on a wing and a prayer without a job uh, and uh, actually started in human resources for a school bus transportation company in Rosemead, California. So oh my I'm, uh, I'm no stranger to California. Um, and that's actually where I learned the insurance industry is um, starting out on the HR side as a benefit specialist and then um, uh, moved over to the insurance brokerage industry about uh, three years into my career at HR and uh, learned the insurance industry in Southern California. So I grew up on HMOs and um, know a little bit about your uh, your marketplace. So that's that's the quick story, Christine. Anything else I can answer that's for you? That's wonderful. Yes, maybe we can talk about uh you know how you start i know that you just mentioned how you started out in this business you know as we celebrate women uh there's also uh you know a lot of women are looking for how did it feel and and some of the struggles that you may have experienced when you first started out uh struggles breaking through the glass ceiling especially when you first started out maybe you can talk about you know your first opportunity from hr and leading to a different position, maybe with a higher, you know, responsibility or leadership role. How did you deal with some of the glass ceiling issues? Yeah, you know, it's it's not easy for anyone starting out right out of college, right? When you're young and ambitious, uh, you you want the boss's job on day two, right? <laughs> um, but it doesn't always work out that way. So. Uh, when I started in HR, I actually uh, got a job right out of school doing a DOL audit in Southern California in the uh, benefits department and um, quickly moved into a benefits management role with that company. And um, what I learned in that role is um, really the foundation of my entire career because I was helping over 4,000 employees with their benefits, right? So you're answering questions about co-pays and you're helping them enroll and you're answering questions about deductibles and what can I do to carry over my deductible and how do I add a dependent? All of those things that your clients on the employer HR side deal with, I dealt with right, right out of my first job out of college in HR. So once you get a little bit of knowledge in benefits and insurance, uh, what's that saying? It sticks with you for a long time, right? It's, it's hard to, uh, to lose that. Um, and so I, I grew passionate about employee benefits from that HR role. And I may have stayed in HR if that company had stayed in Southern California, but they decided to relocate to Texas. And um, they weren't willing to offer me the head of HR job to move to Texas three years out of school. So I decided to stay in Southern California, but I tried, I definitely tried. Um, so I uh, moved over to the brokerage side. I ended up uh, getting a job with the broker that we had in Southern California. Oh, and 
I started as a benefit analyst with a, a broker that was doing group insurance on the property and casualty side and the employee benefit side. So I was an analyst um, as in an employee benefits department, uh, doing spreadsheets, working with the carriers, uh, getting to know the other side of the business from the insurance uh, from the insurance side. But I really do attribute um, uh, having that exposure on the client side as one of the catalysts to what helped me be successful. Um, and, you know, at that time, um, most of the managers were men. Um, most of the people on the sales side were men. Um, I think in my first brokerage job, there was one female producer. And I'll never forget how much I admired her and respected her. She was amazing. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be an analyst forever. I want to be a producer like her. And so I kind of set my sights on um, uh, learning from her, you know, informal mentorship, um, offering to take her to lunch, uh, pick her brain on how she was dealing with being in an all-male industry environment. And that really helped me gain confidence, um, you know, because most of the account managers I was working with were also men. And so just trying to navigate that environment was, um, you know, was, was always a little intimidating when you're first entering the industry. But I think the key early on in my career was finding those people to help mentor me informally, which, um, uh, really led to moving into an account management role, moving into a client executive role. And then ultimately before I left Southern California, I was a producer. So um, it was just kind of taking the bull by the horns and not taking no for an answer. What a great story. I mean, it's so inspirational. And if you think about every one of us who started in this industry, it was someone giving you an opportunity or at least inspiring you to do more and you took it upon yourself to you know follow a person that was a role model and i think a lot of the women on the in this webinar can relate to that story i personally can of course and uh so that was just honestly that gave me chills just thinking about uh, how you were inspired and 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 inspired by another woman to be able to, to see that this is possible in an all male, especially back then. I think we've, we've accomplished a lot over the last you know, 10 or 15 years or so. But I agree, I, you know, you, I'm sure you remember being in meetings where you're the only woman or, or the only other woman in the meeting in a group of you know, 20 other men. And um, it, it's inspiring and I think that motivates us to do even more and get more of our women colleagues into this industry, help them get through these struggles. Um, you know, if you can think of, um, I know that you just mentioned that maybe she was your greatest influence. Do you, can you think of anything else that influenced you or inspired you um, and why that would have been your influence to push even more? to get into the you know, higher up positions. And I know you've had some really great career uh, you know, um, moves in, in, in your history. So maybe we can talk about what influenced you uh, to do that? Were there any other influences? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, once I started working directly with clients in, in, a, in a client executive or a producer role, um, so many great relationships that we develop in this industry. And I think that's one of the reasons why we stay. Insurance comes across as like a boring career choice, right? Nobody makes it out of college. They don't want to sell insurance as their life goal. But once you get a taste of it, you realize how meaningful it is to people and how meaningful it is to employer groups, right? We're providing valued service, we're educating, we're training, we're making sure that they're protected in all aspects of their life, whether it's their medical uh, or their life insurance or their disability. And once you get a taste of that, you realize it can be a very, very meaningful career. So I think as soon as I started working with clients, um, I had a couple of relationships that I had developed along the way. I remember one CFO in particular that um, uh, that we just, we clicked, we connected. Um, he was very demanding uh, in terms of how he wanted to deliver the employee benefits package for his employees. And uh, he was one of those um, buyers or CFOs that wanted everything net of commission, right? So we were right. getting 
fee for a certain amount of service. And he was tough, you know, and, and he almost trained me on the job, right? On the things that um, I needed to be thinking about as an account executive for his account. And he was a great um, uh, role model for me because it really had me thinking about what is it I'm bringing to my clients that's of value? I might think I know that value right out of the gate uh, because I'm offering certain services and products, but does the client value those? And he was a straight shooter. And so as a CFO and as my client, um, he was a great coach as well. And I knew that I had delivered on um, the promises we made when he left that employer, moved to another employer, and I got the call, right? We all love it when we get that call. Right. Move to new, uh, new employer, new company, and you get the call. That's how you build your network. That's how you build um, your, um, uh, your client base. And it's delivering on those promises and learning that it's not necessarily all about you, it's about them. It's about what is of value to them and how can you be a good listener to provide the value uh, that's gonna get you that second phone call. That's amazing, Sally. Thank you so much. What great advice. And I just wanted to remind everyone in this webinar that we have the Q&A section, the chat section, whatever you're comfortable with, please put in your questions. We have more questions to ask of Sally, but I wanna make sure, like she just said, that we're meeting your needs and we're answering your questions, right? So we can convert that to your story here because your time is valuable to all of us. And I'm hoping, we both are hoping that you're here to, to you know, pick up tidbits of information or just advice or even just inspiration, motivation to say, you know what? We've been stuck for a year. What do I need to do to get back into it? What do I need to do to get that client? And, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter how large or how small your agency is. We all come from something where we started. And I've told this story to many of you all, and I know this isn't about me, but I do want to say all of us have started not knowing what insurance is, right? I remember being hired by Carl Dickerson. I didn't, couldn't even spell an HMO, let alone know what we all do. And um, he thought I would be a great underwriter because I came from accounting background. Well, you know, I trusted him and I think it's, it's a great way to learn and, and, and be inspired to, to, to do something new. So please fill in those questions, but I'm going to move forward. I do have something, I think we wanna hear the professional and the personal, if you don't mind, and whatever you're comfortable with, Sally. But what is what would you say is your greatest professional accomplishment and then also your personal accomplishment? I think we- Sure, sure, I'll try, to share. Of, I'll try to think of a couple. Um, on the professional side, you know, my roles have changed over the years and um, moving out of production and client management, I moved into some uh, leadership roles, uh, both at the local office level and then uh, regionally with a number of offices and then ultimately in um, national leadership positions where I was um, moving beyond my, my local boundaries and, and helping firms all across the country. I'll, I'll never forget my first regional role uh, with the national brokerage. Um, I had an opportunity as the middle market uh, regional practice leader to build a sales team. And the, the, the consultant I was with at the time really wasn't um, a, a sales uh, office per se. They were more consultants and a lot of referrals, not a true sales force. And so I remember uh, putting a proposal together to build a sales team for our middle market practice. And my boss at the time was in New York and he said, um, yeah, here's, here's a few dollars, um, go ahead, see if, see if it works. And so we put a sales program together. We hired 10 uh, sales uh, professionals in the Northeast and um, I feel like it was one of my greatest accomplishments because to this day, half of that team went on uh, to be successful and continue to stay in touch wow. with me. 
after we launched that program, which didn't even exist at the time. Um, so it was finding a problem and filling a need. And it seems like a small thing, right? To put a 10 person sales force together uh, for really. a financial broker. <laughs> but um, we had so much fun doing it. And I think because, um, you know, I was, I was given, um, you know, I, I had the trust of my boss and manager at the time um, to, to see if we could make it work. It was a small investment and it paid off. And I find personal, um, satisfaction in knowing that there are some professionals that um, got their start because of that program and stayed in the business after that. So I always look to that one time as sort of a pivotal moment for me uh, when it's like, oh yes, we did it, we could do it. So so that was fun. Um, on a personal note, I'm kind of boring. Um, you know, I have I have three Join the kids. club. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think just uh, proudest of my kids, you know, most of all. Um, it was great to get one through college and graduating. So that's yes. a great personal accomplishment, I feel like, um, making sure she graduated and just watching them thrive um, and being successful in school and sports and um, just in, in their lives. I, I feel like that's um, my personal accomplishment and my husband's just raising our family and, um, you know, keeping them healthy and happy and strong. So that that's probably my personal accomplishment. Christine. I think that's boring, a great but. one. And you know, I, I, my daughter graduated from college last year too. So I know exactly what you're saying. And, and it's a big deal, especially for women who also have a career, right? This is something that of course we're both proud of. And, and, and I think that's a great example. We do have a couple of good questions coming through. So I'll take a break from mine and awesome. I'm gonna go through the uh, one is from an anonymous attendee, which is fine. Have you ever been unfairly compared to a male in the workplace that you may have less uh, that may have less family demands. Oh my gosh, this is so relevant to what we were just talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, I suppose it's happened along the way, but I have to share a secret with you all. Um, I've been very, very lucky that my husband and partner shared in a lot of the duties of, of raising a family. So I'm very, very fortunate um, he's one of my biggest uh, cheerleaders and inspirations because he was there for me when I needed to go on that extra meeting or uh, go on a business trip. I, I really didn't have to think twice. So I was, I was kind of spoiled in that regard. Um, we, we had a good balance and it really helped. Um, but I, I do think that when it comes to um, equity and pay. I think when it comes to equity and assignments, I definitely felt, you know, that there were assignments over the course of my career that didn't feel as meaty or as exciting as my male counterparts. And sometimes that just being in the right place at the right time or um, people's familiarity leading to their choices of, you know, who gets certain assignments. We, we've all been there. So I, I don't let it get me down though. And I think one of the things my dad used to tell me when he was still alive, um, you know, I'd come home early in my career before I'd moved to Southern California and complain about this or that or so-and-so and, you know, the, the cube next to me or the promotion I didn't get early on. And he'd say, stop comparing yourself. Um, don't worry about the guy or the gal next door. Um, take care of yourself, pay attention to yourself and don't, you know, um, mind your own business is what he used to say, right? <laughs> like, you know, don't worry. And so I think that always rang true in my head. Like, you know, you may think it's unfair in the moment and then you kind of have to step back and say, well, okay, what can I do the next time to make it different? And how can I help myself? Right. Instead of expecting other people to to pick me or to, um, you know, promote me. It's like, what can I do to make that happen myself? And so I, I kind of always hear him in the in my in the back of my head reminding me to do that. That's amazing. And, and, and it's incredible how you remember all the little things, especially people that, who have inspired you. I think they have uh, really led us to where we are today. And it's all the 
little advice that they've provided. So thank you for sharing that. I thought that was incredible. And the mistakes um, we make too. Right? And the mistakes we make too. <laughs> and it's okay to do that, right? It's okay to make mistakes. Men make mistakes. Uh, women make, it has nothing to right. do with that. But it's sometimes I think when you are in a male dominated world, we women, at least for me, sometimes I feel that, oh my gosh, I can't, uh, show them that I, I, I made that mistake or I should do better, but we're all human. And mm -hmm. sometimes, and I think we all know this, um, when the mistakes are where you, you know, where you learn from and you do better next time, or that it helps you get to the next level, because now you've had an example in your life of how you can do or change something and, and, and the reaction that you will uh, get hopefully is a more positive one next time. So, Thank you for the wonderful advice. Um, more questions. So one of them is actually sales related. In hiring salespeople, what are some key traits you were looking for or you look for today? I know you obviously are in charge of a lot of producers within these agencies. What are the key traits uh, that uh, we should be looking for in, in recruiting agents or salespeople within our teams? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that one of the things we can do as an industry is promote the insurance industry for young professionals coming out of school. So I think um, what I look for is um, an adaptability, right, to uh, try something new and be flexible. And also just a basic um, energy level and enthusiasm, right, towards anything that you put your mind to. Um, you, you need uh, in particular, producers who are going to be involved in sales, right. they need to have a thick skin, right? Because they're going to deal with rejection and a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails. And so somebody who has um, tenacity to persevere and kind of work through challenges. So I, I look for people that are kind of balanced in their approach and um, have a lot of adaptability to different situations. You know, you kind of need to pivot quickly in a sales role and you need to be open-minded. Um, and I always look for a good listener. You know, if somebody is listening and, um, you know, being able to interact, I think that's critical. When, when you have somebody who comes in who knows exactly what they want to say, knows um, what they want to tell you uh, because they have to get it all out as a salesperson, that's the person who's probably not going to get the sale because they didn't step back and ask questions or listen. So curiosity is also part of that equation. You have to have a curiosity for others. And I think those are the kind of producers that become servant producers, right? And servant account managers and executives who are looking to fulfill those needs of others. So that's an important um, trait I, I look for. I couldn't agree more. All right, I'm going to take more questions from our, our viewers. So uh, the next question comes from actually a Dickerson representative. And, and she says, hello, Sally, you shared about people who inspired or coached you. Would you be able to recall and share an experience where you had the opportunity to inspire someone around you to succeed? I think that's a wonderful question. Yeah, I love that question. Hello, I'm not sure who it's from, but thank you for <laughs> the shout out. Um, you know, when I left um, uh, my, my local office leadership job, um, I was managing a lot of those accounts and I had some junior consultants under me who were supporting me. We've all been in those situations, right? Where you've, you're kind of um, mentoring and, and, and fostering somebody to take on a, a new position. And often in our industry, I find that some people just don't like to be in front of clients. They don't like to stretch beyond the behind the scenes roles, right? But oftentimes we see little nuggets in people that we we push. And so there were some people I would push and they'd really back off and be like, no, I'm not ready for that <laughs> role. Um, but there was one colleague that I worked with and um, she was she was just great. She was really hesitant to move out of an analyst role into an account management role where she had true responsibility for the account, um, you know, and somebody that I could pass on the account management to. And um, I remember when the client at the time 
uh, used to call me after every conversation to sort of double check everything, right? You all, we all have those clients like, did what she say, is that the right thing? And, um, you know, is this spreadsheet correct? And so I'll never forget when the client stopped calling me and she had really, yes, but, but, but it was because of, it was because of her, like she had really, um, taken that next step to heart and she developed her own style. Um, but it was a lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring and a lot of confidence building. I think oftentimes, you know, we're, we're talking about women who maybe just, um, don't have the confidence in themselves. We're hardest on ourselves. Right. And so we, right. we think, oh, I don't know everything about that. I don't know how to answer that question exactly. So I'm not going to take that full responsibility, but I'll never forget when the client stopped calling me. And I, I had like six months later, I had to check in and be like, Hey, I'm still here. Do you know I exist? And I, and we, we got it covered, you know, so-and-so is doing a great job. And, and she went on to um, develop her own book of business. She's now one of the senior people in her office. You know, she stayed in the career. She's now leading other people. And I, I often think about that early time when it was in the transition phase um, and she wasn't quite sure if she had the confidence to take it on and, and she was successful. That's um, amazing. Thank yeah, you, I, Sally. I, uh, I often get, um, uh, I, I push people quite a bit, but sometimes there are those success stories, right? When you're like, I knew it. I knew they had it in them. So that worked out. That's wonderful. You know, as we have so many women agents on this uh, panel here or, or webinar, you know, I was just thinking about their own struggles within their own agency. You know, some, uh, you're a business owner, you're struggling, you're competing. Um, I'd like to go back to that topic, you know, and I, I know you've had a lot of corporate experience coming from Paychecks and March. Um, and and um, what advice would you give someone who has just started their own agency or, or started a few years ago, but has, is still struggling with, especially dealing with the pandemic now and, and kind of having to slow things down? Um, what advice would you give someone to help them move ahead and, uh, you know, think about how they can go after those bigger clients? And uh, it's probably tied to the having the confidence and so forth. But anything that you can share from your previous experiences in the larger agency environment that they can incorporate into their own world? Yeah, um, you know, I think about that a lot. And I admire so many um, uh women and business owners who start their own business. I've, I've never done that. I've, I've often thought about it, um, but never gone out on my own. So you're absolutely right, Christine. I've been in a corporate world for a lot of years. Um, so I come across so many entre entrepreneurs at Alera Group um, and individuals who started their own business or partners uh, that have started their own business. And I so admire that um, ambition. And I think the ones that are successful are um, accessible, right? And, and so it's a lot of hard work and you have to be Johnny on the spot, right? right. You, you have to take the calls after hours. You have to take the calls on the weekend. You have to work to build your network of influencers and then you have to deliver um, on those promises. And so I think it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work making sure you're accessible. And I think that's why when I was in a client management role and production role, it was, you know, being able to answer their questions when they need you. You want to be indispensable to your clients and to your network. It's one of the traits of Dickerson. It's one of the traits that I find in a lot of the Alera firms. And I'm sure for successful business owners, you be, you need to become indispensable to your clients and partners. They need to rely on you for answers. They need to know you're there when they need, when you, when they need you. And so I think that that perseverance and um, accessibility when you're starting your own business in the insurance industry is key. The other thing that I think um, can help is finding a niche, right? So what area of the business can you fill that maybe you don't see being filled by others in that marketplace? Great advice. Yeah, whether it's a new product, whether it's um, 
access to uh, you know, uh, an industry or whether it's um, a segment of our business, um, you know, small group, individual, mid-sized, Medicare, you know, you name it. I think finding those niches that you're also passionate about, right? That you enjoy because your clients and the people you work with will see you enjoying what you do and being accessible to them and answering their questions. So I think that, um, it's, it's obviously a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of hours and to, um, you know, to, to hang in there and be successful. It's, um, you know, it's, it's going to take time. Obviously we don't all give ourselves a lot of time, but, um, key networking accessibility, and then finding your area of expertise, I think is, um, is going to help hopefully. That's great advice. And, you know, a lot of women like to work with other women. If you want to support women-owned businesses, there's always opportunities to do that as well. That's probably a nice niche for some of us. Sure. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, just um, here's a really uh, another really good question, um, and it's coming from an agent. Um, I teach insurance, um, I guess, in, in a community college. Um, I'd like to speak. Oh, she wants to speak with you. Okay, I can, I can connect you together. Uh, can you describe a time when you were fearful of something in your business world and how you dealt with it? That's a great question. Um, I grew up with four brothers, so I'm not afraid of too much because they <laughs> trained me early not to be a scared cat. Um, and they toughened me up a little bit too. But um, yeah, you know, when there's, um, when there's a business opportunity that I don't uh, have, and I think we all do this, women in particular, when we don't know that topic or subject inside out, we're afraid to take the leap. Right. And um, uh, I remember when uh, private exchanges came on the marketplace and I was with a national broker at the time and everybody thought they needed to have a, a private exchange and nobody really knew what that meant. Um, and it, it, it took a lot of money to invest and develop a, a private exchange platform. And so um, I was nervous about that one, Re really nervous about jumping into an area of the business that we were forced to right. uh, because of the market changes and, and developments that were happening at the time. You know, we thought all group insurance was going to go away and everybody was going to be on an individual ACA plan. Well, it didn't didn't happen, but scared the heck out of us in the industry, right? In terms right. of group insurance, right? At, uh, at, at the national level. And so um, that, that was a challenge. That was a real challenge to sort of figure out what the strategy was and find the right team because um, nobody had done it before. So you had to find the right team and then figure out how to put the pieces together to be successful. And um, not all solutions are successful. So um, I've learned from failure just as, I mu just as much <laughs> as I've learned from success. And, and I think that um, what I would say to many of you out there is that don't be afraid to fail if you are afraid of something or if there's a challenge in your industry and you're not really sure which way to go, um, try a bunch of stuff, like try things out. I was just on a call previously with my current boss and, you know, fail fast is what he always says. And um, that way you can figure out how to pivot and get to the and right solution. Right. So um, we tried a lot of things in that era of private exchanges and we pivoted quickly when we needed to. But um, those industry challenges are the ones that, that scare me the most. Um, you know, when you're in an industry segment, you're providing a service to employer-sponsored health plans, um, you know, that marketplace could change in a heartbeat with a lot of government intervention. And, um, you know, we just, we never know uh, what we're going to be reacting to. And so, um, you know, I try to enter things uh, with, with a strategic approach, but knowing that you might have to pivot even even if it's not the right approach. Exactly. And I think this next question is so 
perfectly timed uh, with all the changes in this industry right now. Where do you see our industry going? And I know, you know, nobody has the answers, but it is definitely a, a time of change. Uh, we see a lot of the ACA uh, individual business taking on, um, you know, most of the industry. But um, where do you see, uh, you know, the, the broker's role, our role uh, moving into in the future, in the very near future, I would say? Yeah, you know, I think we provide a value service, right? Nobody um, really wants to take the time to understand insurance. They want somebody to guide them and advise them. And so that's why I think once we get a little bit of knowledge in the insurance industry, we stick around because we, we are experts, right? We, we know more than the average uh, consumer out there uh, because of our, our background and experience in the industry. So I think there will always be a role for advisement, you know. Um, some of you may not be, I can't see you, so I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but I'm old enough to remember in Southern California in the early 90s, mid 90s, when we thought uh, group insurance was going away because of a national health plan. Um, many of my peers in the industry got out of the industry back then uh, because they thought it was going away. And that was 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. And here we are still today with a group insurance environment. So um, I think that regardless of the changes we might see at the federal level, uh, local level with the development of some association plans and platforms, even at the state level, I think that we'll need, you know, we'll need to pivot, right? You find a, a service and a value that you offer, um, how we get paid might uh, might change. We've seen a lot of fluctuations in how brokers and agents get paid over the years, right? And we've persevered, you know, we've found ways um, throughout ACA and even today to manage through um, those industry uh, uh, waves, if you will. So I, I think there will be uh, a value for our knowledge and our services. And I think more and more um, purchasers, of, purchasers of insurance, whether they're individuals or employers, need our expertise. And they need um, to be able to understand the components of their um, their their risk and how we can match their risk up with the right products in the marketplace. Um, but what that looks like might change over the years. I don't have a crystal ball, right? Right. You know, there's right. a new administration. So we know at least for the next four years, um, ACA continues to expand, opportunities continue to expand. So I, I think no matter what, um, there will be opportunities out there for our industry and they just might look a little bit different, um, right. you know, depending on what what we're faced with. And, and to that, if you don't mind me adding a couple of tidbits, I do remember when I was with a carrier and, and ACA came on and, you know, the first thing that we thought is, my goodness, we, you know, brokers are going away, uh, let alone general agencies. And boy, was it a different story, right? Years later, we're seeing actually brokers are more important than ever. And same with general agencies, it actually actually changed. Uh, carriers have less sales departments, smaller sales departments. They depend on brokers like all of you um, and general agencies like us to help um, communities, to help in, uh, employers and individuals. The other very important key is, is be open to changing your your uh, techniques or your market uh, niche you know if you were only in group you may want to think about other things if you were only an individual please think about group insurance you want to diversify you want to be able to be flexible and go where the direction is leading you so that you don't lose out and that you're not losing opportunities that are being you know brought to you and today, both of those marketplaces are uh, very important. They are majority of the business is coming through agents like yourself. So please stay nimble and be open to uh, changing and asking for help. You know, we're all here to teach, to help join these webinars, learn from each other. It's, it's important to be open 
to that, uh, changing what you were doing. What we were doing 20 years ago is very different than what we're doing today. So it, it's important to stay. Um, I remember when we had to make those decisions as a general agency, you have to be adaptable. And if you don't, that's when uh, you know failure happens, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you bring up a really good point, Christine. That um, y you know our industry gets a bad rap for lack of change, right? It's it's uh, it's sort of a, a stale industry where we don't embrace a lot of um, change. So technology is key, Thank right? You. you know, Thank being yes. able to provide a valued service quickly and easily for your buyers and your users is key. So I think the more we can embrace technology, the more we can embrace that ease of use um, for the end user, I think that will help us sustain um, these services over the long haul is embracing that use of uh, technology. Thank you, Sally. And actually, I think that I, I completely agree. You know, when the pandemic happened uh, early on you know it, it was almost an overnight thing we all needed to figure out how do we talk to our clients how do we talk for us how do we how do we continue what we're doing and support our agents support your clients but have to be working from home and yeah. what do you have to do you have to be nimble you have to adapt you have to think about technology and bringing those resources to your clients and not be afraid to say i can't come see you in person but here's the next best thing i'm going to i took this leap and i'm bringing this technology your way because i want to be there uh, and provide this service to you. Talk to your colleagues, talk to your representatives here at Dickerson about technology. We have so many options available. To, you know, it may never, at least for the next, next year or so, it won't be full on face-to-face -face maybe, maybe not everyone's gonna be comfortable. So please embrace it and ask us for help. We're here to do that. And I know Sally leads uh, teams within Alira who, where we, strictly focus on technology. What are we using? What are we offering our clients? And have variety of them available, depending on the need and depending on the size of the client, it might be different. You know, here in California, Ease is one of the online enrollment tech, uh, technology companies we use, but that doesn't mean that's the only one, and that doesn't mean that answers the, uh, the need for every client. So make sure you are consulting with people who have experience and, and that we can help you, uh, even if it's not us, talk to people, uh, you know, go get dem demos done and, and learn about these things. Um, I know I'm, I'm going on a rampage here, but I'm, I, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about it. Well, we all had to learn Zoom, right? Or we wouldn't see right. anybody for a year. So thank goodness for Zoom. Uh, we're one dimensional with each other, even if right. we see it. <laughs> And full, uh, full on together in the same room. But we, we had a lot of producers that were afraid of technology, right? And sort of sat back and waited for the market to open up. And the ones that succeeded throughout this pandemic learned new ways to interface right. with people, even though they couldn't take them to lunch, even though they couldn't stop by their office. You know, you had to make it easy to click on a link and see somebody face to face. You had to maybe incentivize them uh, through virtual lunches and virtual cocktail hours and, and virtual everything. So right. it, it's trying new things, right? If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we can be successful in spite of all being home, uh, you know, in our four walls. So I think um, that nimbleness is, is so key that you mentioned, Christine, to be able to adapt. Thank you, Sally. I think I have two more questions and then we can wrap this up, you guys. And, and please, please feel free, throw in more questions if you have them. We still have a few minutes. But the last two, I think, are, are critical in that. Um, and, and I hope one of them is a little easier. What would be the best advice that you can pass on to our audience? You know, if there's one thing that you want them to take away from this, what would that be? Um, gosh, there's so many. I know. Right? So many. <laughs> okay, um, just add a couple more, not one. <laughs> yeah. So, so as let's just say, as women in this business, I think you miss a hundred percent of the opportunities you don't take. Right. <sighs> so, pick the opportunities that you feel you want to take and go for it. 
right? I've, I've always said uh, people that have worked for me or that, um, you know, I've, I've uh, helped mentor, nobody's gonna tap you on the shoulder right? You have to make those opportunities happen. And I think probably for many of you who are marketers and starting your own business and working on your own, um, you know, you've got to make the opportunities happen, right? So um, if you're not out there taking those shots, somebody else is. So, so uh, be courageous, um, be ambitious and take, take those shots. If it doesn't work out, you, you can try another way. You can try another solution. Um, my daughter who's entering the workforce, leaving college, it's the same thing. They think they have to have it all figured out before they take the next step. And it's okay if you miss a few of those shots. You're gonna make uh, the percentages better if you keep taking those shots. Thank you, Sally. I think that was really good advice. And there's so many opportunity, opportunities out there. And what we're hearing is just, hey, you gotta try. I think a lot of our brokers, what I'm hearing, Sally, are struggling with how do I get back into the marketing mm. mindset, right? How do I go out there and look for new leads? You know, do I approach these clients who might have um, lost employees? You know, their business is down to half the size it used to be. It, right. It's almost like a guilty feeling, I think, or, or feeling like I can't really talk to these people. I feel terrible do, trying to get a sale in in a pandemic, but everyone needs services, right? They're all, and, and, and if you've been out driving around lately, I can tell you traffic is back, at least in California. <laughs> it's crazy again. So what I, I think is happening is people are going back to their offices, uh, at least maybe, you know, partially, and, and they're looking to make changes. One thing we all learned in this pandemic is, boy, do you need your health insurance, right? Right. It, 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 it's a critical uh, need and mm -hmm. employers, believe it or not, were looking for better plans. At renewals, we were not seeing employers downgrade. We were seeing them upgrade their plans, right. offering better benefits. So don't be afraid to go out there, like Sally said. Mm -hmm. um, are there any marketing or uh, firms or, 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 or resources that you can think of, Sally, that an agent should reach out to in, in helping them generate leads or, or, you know, work with clients in that perspective? Yeah, yeah you, you probably have some great ideas there, Christine, but, you know, I've yeah. seen some nifty ideas over the pandemic about, you know, virtual lunch uh, gift certificates where you might offer a virtual lunch or a virtual gift card. Um, you know, you might offer an event like this or something else where you're providing information, not selling, but providing a service. So one of the things that we've been able to do throughout the pandemic is offer information and content, right? If you can be a information deliverer and a content deliverer to your, um, to your network, uh, you're going to fill a need somewhere right? They might not know that you can fill that need, but if you're constantly providing them with um, information and resources, then you're going to be surprised at, at the needs that you can fill. So I would say don't be afraid to ask questions about what your uh, groups or uh, network are struggling with. Um, you know, employment is such a challenge right now. I think all over the country, right. people are finding it hard to fill jobs. And so we've got some offices and, and some teams that are getting creative on helping employers not only deal with their employee benefits programs and their insurance programs, but how can they help with um, attraction and recruitment? You know, are there some marketing ideas? Are there some program ideas where they can help, help that client fill their need? And it's probably the same with, with your agents and with their network of people. You need to ask questions like, what are you struggling with today that I can help with? not just buying an insurance product, but in general, how can I connect you to others in the industry that can help in a way that they might not think of you specifically? Um, so I think it's offering information, being a resource, and just asking really good questions. And remember, listen, listen, because those answers will give you clues to what you need to do next to, um, to, to find new partnerships. Great advice as always, Sally. Thank you so much. Uh, 
it's incredible what you when you start asking questions and actually listen to what they're saying versus just throwing in ideas right right off the bat what you can discover because what we think is a fit for one employer isn't a fit for every employer and right now employers are struggling with information you know with arpa with with icaras out there with everything that's going on you know be that person that that says what can i help you with um or have you filed your you know 5500 form whatever it is and it doesn't mean you have to have the answer that day that minute you're asking these questions it just means that this is a service that you can bring to them after you reach out to firm or to to vendors and 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 even dickerson right we have all these services for all of you feel free to ask and let us know what your needs are we've done i don't know maybe 50 webinars during the pandemic if not more and it's because we shifted right we said wait we can't see our brokers what we're right. going to do is offer these this informational way of delivering this to you all so please do that be be there in front of your clients please don't hide because that just says you're out of sight out of mind and they, someone else is going to be you know knocking on their door don't be afraid of questions it just means that you may need to research and get them the help that they need so Thank you, Sally, for your time. We know how busy you are. We are beyond grateful. And for those of you who know about, you know, who, who have joined, please, please, in the chat box, the link to uh, future uh, webinars is shared. Please sign up for the other sessions. And this is re being recorded. It will be posted in our library uh, uh, at the brokersga.com and we will send the link to all of you and i hope that you found it worth your time and that you learned and you were inspired uh, by sally's success stories and you know the, the advices and 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 uh you know not failures but you know lessons learned right from from a series of career development so thank you sally for your time we are beyond grateful and uh last I guess, words of advice to all of us before we depart? Well, it was an honor to, to help you kick off this series. I know that if I had had more mentorship opportunities and women-sponsored opportunities early in my career, it probably would have made the path a little bit smoother. But, um, you know, I admire anybody who is out there, um, you know, trying to make a go of it and just, you know, wish you the best. And hope that this provided a little bit of, of inspiration and things to think about. But um, I can't thank you enough for asking me to join Christine and um, really appreciate you offering this to your network. I think if more women help raise up other women, um, we'll see right. more seats at the table and we, we won't be the only one at the boardroom. Um, we just, we have to support each other. And I think that's um, a critical aspect of being a woman in the insurance industry. So um, I wish you all the best and I thank you for having me on today. It was really fun. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for your time. Talk to you all soon. Thank you, Sally. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone.